Hello, everybody. What's going on? Welcome to Flickin' Real, your friendly neighborhood fan cast. With me, of course, I do have my good friend and co-host, Mr. Scott Fox, uh, starting the show off with me today. How are you doing today, Scott? Fantastic. Ready to just talk movies. Yeah, we got we got some things to talk about. We're definitely going to talk about movies. A little bit of news, but this is going to be one of those episodes where we have a lot more views than news. But that's okay. I'm looking forward to it. So if you guys didn't know and you're new to the channel, we are your source for news, reviews, and daily discourse. Uh, already did our introductions, but today we are introduced, or not introduced, I'm sorry, we are uh, graced by the presence of the one, the only... Mr. Matty Gunner, who uh, just a pleasure to have on the show today. How you doing, buddy? What's up, gentlemen? How are we doing? Thank you, you so much for having me on, man. It's always a pleasure first to watch you guys. I'm a fan of the show, so to you know come on as a as a guest as a co- guest co-host. You know, how could I say no? Well, we had a we had a really great time on the Bachelor stream, and that was a great opportunity for me to spend more time with some people that I've, you know, had messages with and not really had a chance to talk with on screen. And Maddie, you're one of those guys. And I said, you know, he's got uh, a, a fun, unique, optimistic, uh, just great uh, personality to have on screen. So I thought we'd bring you on and talk some shop today. Yeah. And I found out we're, you know, we're both like the same skateboard videos as well. Like we came yeah. up on the same kind of stuff, which was, that's yeah, I didn't expect that. That was cool. And, you know, obviously I've watched the show, like I'm familiar with Scott. So, again, it's happy to be on the show with both of you guys. Really cool for me. So I'm excited for today. And it's it's going to be a good show to be on because uh, today is going to be a little bit more of a casual kickback kind of show because I mm-hmm. had my, my eyes peeled, ears to the ground, looking for some, some hot, spicy movie news. And this was just not that week. <laughs> and Scott knows it doesn't always there happen. There was a big dud as far as movies. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, Sometimes you want, want information, you want new things to be coming out, and uh, you're lucky to scrape by a trailer for something that looks interesting at all. Yeah, and it turned out that you know if we were really kind of scraping that there was uh, there was the trailer for Guillermo del Toro's like Nightmare Alley I think, and then just today the Apple TV trailer for uh, I think it's Finch with Tom Hanks dropped. Both of those looked interesting, but it's nothing mm-hmm. I really felt like I could base the show around. Mm-hmm. So we do have something uh, structured a little differently for today. However, before we dive into today's topics, we do have a quick message. Uh, Scott and I really want to grow this channel and devote more time and energy into making informative and entertaining content but this can only be achieved uh, or this can be achieved most simply by taking a second to like comment and subscribe to our channel very easy just click 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 boom you're done that's all it is uh and uh just make sure to hit the bell icon so that you never miss a new upload man i am rusty today three hours of preparation and i'm still stumbling over myself uh, secondly, our dream does not stop at 150 subscribers. We are happy to be there, but more is always better. Just ask Kylo Ren. Uh, podcasting <laughs> is what we love to do. I thought Maddie would appreciate that. I see that's smile. Yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'd love to in- invest uh, just some more time and energy into this channel, but you at home can help by visiting Streamlabs. See down there? Just uh, go to that website right there, and you can donate. You can also do that through submitting super chats on youtube and that keeps us going that keeps the uh everything fresh and 
allows us to just pour a lot more heart and soul into this because you know we all work for a living we all got jobs and things and uh sometimes when you're trying to do a transition i would love to do this full time but that's going to take some work and it's going to take some support so maybe we'll get there one day uh anyways i like my deacon in my, my guy mike deacon in the chat i like his idea for for some content a roast of uh jeff i'm down <laughs> anytime buddy oh jeff i love you but anytime all right well that had uh, to be a multi-hour show to be able to get enough stuff in on jeff yeah, yeah, I can't believe that Adam Collins and Video Drew beat Jeff to the idea of the why are we like this show because I feel like that's way more <laughs> of Jeff's alley. Yeah, uh, yeah. Without without Jeff's consent at all, if we can get like uh, $20, $25 in the stream today, maybe we'll do a roast of Jeff uh, Alterman. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, as I said, we're doing the show a uh, kind of an interesting manner today. And I'll let you guys know the topics ahead of time. Uh, we do have one thing that is, I say relatively relevant, but it's about a week old. Uh, I was hoping to talk about what if briefly, I don't know if everyone at this point has seen it. So we might just do a quick spoiler free talk about our feelings about it. And it was episode six. What if Killmonger, uh, saved Tony Stark. And then, uh, I thought it'd be fun to go around the table, the digital table and talk about our favorite B movies. Cause that is a whole category of film that I really greatly enjoy. And uh, we have some different age groups and backgrounds in here, so we might have some very different answers. Uh, also, we still have three months left of the year, so what is your number one most anticipated film for the rest of the year? Also, um, as Scott and I started last week, we will round out the show with the what are we watching or reading or consuming in any type of media form. But with that, um, and feel free in the chat, guys, um, you know, if you want to share your opinions there, if you want to uh, redelegate the discussion and ask the whole group a question, put it in Streamlabs. We'd love to have some more exciting things to talk about in the discussion. But with that, uh, who here has seen What If? I watched it. You did watch it. Okay, so two of us have seen it. I have not seen the news one. Yeah, I'm, a little, I'm a little slow on some of these. That's okay. Are you... Did, did you see zombies? Yes. Okay, so you're only behind one. That's all right. Uh, me and Maddie won't uh, divulge into it too much. You know what? You guys go ahead and rip into it all you want. Uh, knowing how something ends has never affected my ability to still enjoy it. I knew mm. Kevin Spacey was Kaiser Sose. Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> before I saw Usual Suspects, and Usual Suspects is still one of the best movies I've ever seen. So. All right. Well, then I'm going to get this banner up really quick. Spoiler banner? Yeah, spoiler banner. So nobody can yell at me. No one yell at Jesse or I'll yell at you. And you don't want that. I'm just curious. What is the official time frame for when you're allowed to talk spoilers without having to warn somebody that there are spoilers? Here's the thing. I say two weeks. Two weeks? Okay. I think two weeks. I think it varies on the property. I think um, for what if, my thing is actually, so by the time seven comes out, episode seven, I think it's fair to talk spoilers for six. So I, I'd say, you know, full week, which we're not at yet. We're not at a full week. So that's why I'm just saying, here's the spoilers. If you guys um, haven't watched the show yet, you don't want to be spoiled about it. Come back in like five minutes. We're not going to take very long. Uh, 
or mute us. Stay on the page. Just mute us. <laughs> yeah, Only. I'll try to remember to do this or something, and then, or I'll take the banner down, and then there you go. Then you'll know. Uh, Maddie, first, I want to ask you: How did you feel about the premise, the selling point, the the what if, if you will? I was a bit like, huh, at first, because <laughs> I I get this is what if, but like some of them have been a bit like what if. T'Challa was Star Lord. I could, I could see that happening, because you know that with something like Guardians, you you never know. Like, literally anything could happen when it you involve Guardians, space, the cosmos, everything. Literally anything could happen. This was okay. How did Killmonger a end up in the desert? B at the right time. C he knew exactly where Tony Stark would be at the time, and then we like you know without jumping ahead like we find yeah. out and then as it went further on i was like oh okay like now now i see but from the jump just seeing what if killmonger saved tony stark i was like wait i didn't even know like he would be old enough to like have been in service or anything at that time yeah here's the interesting thing it was 2008 and he was wearing the same outfit with the same haircut as he was in was it 2016 because mm -hmm. it seems like when they had Shuri in the show, she looked about eight years younger. She looked very yeah. young. Killmonger looked exactly the same, uh, with the exception that he had a few less scars when things they did. Uh, this episode didn't work for me as a whole. I thought the premise was interesting, but it was kind of in the way of Agent Carter, where it feels like they're telling... Mm -hmm a lot of the same story or they're just taking pieces of existing movies or properties and just kind of mashing them together. Whereas take Marvel zombies for, for example. Yeah. It starts off with part of infinity war, but then the trajectory is completely different. Mm -hmm. There's like no elements of any other movie. It is its own thing until you get to the very, very end or um, even episode two, the star Lord one no aspect of that is anything like the guardians of the galaxy movie other than some characters that we've seen before but plot wise it's completely different and for me the movies work or not the movies but the show works best when it feels like it stands on its own more and i feel like all that this what if scenario did is expedite um killmonger's plans or give him a different path to what he was trying to do what i thought would have been a more interesting take that i thought they were setting up is what if he was like positively influenced by somebody at a different time and had a different route and maybe became more of a hero and i was yeah. like oh that could be really cool um but just to see him have the same mission basically be the same character at a different time it didn't add a lot like the doctor strange episode we get to see a different doctor strange stephen goes on a completely different journey and ends up I love that character yeah that's my second favorite episode for me it's like T'Challa, Star-Lord, uh, the Doctor Strange episode. And then it gets kind of washy because I don't love anything after that. It's like like to not like. So anyways, that's kind of in a nutshell. I, I, I kind of despise the fact that What If has taken the opportunity to like, oh, is Tony in this episode? Let's kill him. It's just every time you see yeah. Tony Stark, he's going to die. It's like, what did Robert Downey Jr. do to you guys? Like, <laughs> we get that he doesn't want to play Iron Man anymore, but do you have to kill him at, like, every opportunity you get? Absolutely. Uh, I guess... And it's, it's an animated series, so what would it hurt to have him 
alive and continuing forward, it wouldn't hurt anybody because yeah. it's a separate universe. The whole thing is a, a the premise of you know a hypothetical uh, universe outside of what happened in the actual MCU. So it's okay to not have to murder the guy. Yeah, yeah. and I mean technically we see him die kind of twice in this show because it, it shows what happened in our universe in the beginning of the episode. It shows him snap. And then, uh, you know, here's the big spoilers. Uh, Killmonger kills Tony. Mm. And it's it's rough. It's pretty bad. Yeah, uh, I, I do enjoy the anime and the Gundam references with Killmonger. And uh, from my understanding, that is a Michael B. Jordan influence. So I think that's pretty rad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the whole Wakanda thing and... The um, naivety, naive, naivete of T'Chaka and the Wakandans really took me aback because they just seem so accepting when they should be a lot more skeptical. Yeah. Um, um, and man, T'Challa's not getting the best treatment in the series either. Marvel no. Zombies, he's missing a leg. And this one, he got put down like a chump. And I was like, this is upsetting. Yeah. And. I did think the the bit towards the end where he was in the plane and like he visited him and he said, you know, is was it worth it? I think that was I believe that was a callback line to that was Gamora talking to Thanos, I think. Yeah, yeah. So I think that I thought that was pretty cool. Um did did Chadwick Boseman voice him in yeah. this one? Chad Chadwick was able to voice all of the what if appearances. Um I don't I, know if that's done now. I could kind of tell because in this one, his voice did seem a lot more like it was kind of waning in places. And that did kind of take me out of it a little bit because it made me think like, like why, why was he doing this? Like if he was as, as ill as he was, why, why the hell was he doing this? But then he loved that character with his heart mm. and soul and entire being. And he was willing to fight for it, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm interested. The next episode we get is uh, like, I don't know what the actual title of it is, but we're getting introduced to Party Thor. Now, I don't really know what that means or what that entails. I just know that on Instagram they put out the poster today. And I was like, so is that going to be Thor just as a total bro? And is that anything that has an interesting premise to it? Or is it just something fun? Maybe it is something fun because we have had some. <laughs> weighted episodes the last few episodes so maybe they're like hey look this is fun um and less heavy it's, it's thor is more of a lobo character yeah i was just gonna say like if it, if it's thor literally just running around going toga 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 <laughs> then i'm i'm all for it uh, or, I, uh i love stupid him, bro shit so have him take the place of uh like jason momoa's aquaman just be like my man, my man. yeah oh yeah that would be fun all i don't right. know man I hope I, I hope it's fun. Like like you said, the, the last few episodes have been like really weighted and had a lot of emotional pull to them. So to have just something fun, yeah. I yeah, think I mean, it'd, the, it'd be we, about time. We had the, the Doctor Strange episode that was literally a destruction of an entire like universe or existence. And then we had Marvel Zombies, which is just one death of a fan favorite character after another. Mm. Uh it was very morbid. Uh and then I think this this series was kind of unfortunate with the death of Tony T'Challa, um, Rhodey. Uh, it's rough. It's just like uh, let's just kill everyone. Like yeah, everyone's fair game. Let's just put a bullet in everyone's head. 
we got episode three where it was like Hank Pym killing off all the Avengers. So I'm I'm down for some lighthearted th- stuff. I think, um, and I I do appreciate that. I don't have to have strong feelings about what if because for the most part, despite all the rumors online, I do believe that it's mostly inconsequential. Mm. Uh, so I don't have to be as hard on it. I'm like, oh, that one didn't really work for me. That's okay. On to the next. All right. So I think that's that's going to wrap up our, our spoiler talk and we will move on to the next topic. Uh, and you guys feel free to um, try not to spoil it for anyone else. But if you have some thoughts or you want to give a rating out of 10 in the comments, let me know what you guys thought of the what if episode. But now we're going on to possibly my favorite topic of the day. I want to discuss what everyone's favorite B movies are because my God, do I love bad movies or maybe not even bad movies, but just cheap movies, um, goofy gore films, a lot of fun stuff that you would find on like the sci-fi channel. Now I'm not talking about Sharknado. There's gotta be some substance there, but I want to know what you guys think And Maddie, did you have a chance to think about this before the show? I had a couple. There's one when I looked up a list of like what makes a B movie. There was one that I was very shocked to see because it's a movie that is probably the most influential thing in my entire life. And um, there was one that I saw on. I went on the IMDb list, and it was like the best uh, B movies of the 2000s because that was when I was like starting to watch like movies, discovering movies for myself like the early 2000s. And I saw one that really made me smile because of how bad it is. There's a movie called The Covenant that came out in the early 2000s. I think it was like, I think Taylor Kitsch was in it. Uh, it's just basically about guys who can, they can use like witch, I think they're in Salem, Salem, Massachusetts, and they have the power to conjure anything they want manipulate matter and do everything they want but it's a, a cost of their lives so like the more they use their powers the more they age and it, it's kind of dark and it's super cheesy but it it's amazing any well-known folks in it um let me just quickly pull up the cast because I sometimes like a b movie has like i one, think Seba- i'm pretty sure person. sebastian stan was in it shut up i have to look it's, this up it's hard too because a lot of B movies. Well, you you hit the nail on the head, Maddie, when you asked the question, "What makes a B movie?" There's a lot of movies that I remember being more like B movies, but they were originally billed as an A movie. Uh, transition movies. A lot of musicians when they first come into movies. Uh, I remember a movie Anaconda that had Ice Cube and Jennifer Lopez after they left the music field and were getting into movies, and Anaconda was billed as an A movie, but when you watch it, and it's got John Voight as well, it's more of a B movie, monster movie feel, but it had a big budget at the time. And so it's one of these things like, which it feels like a B movie, but was it was produced as an A movie. So which category does it fit in? And oh, Star, Starship Troopers uh, feels more like a B movie, but that was an A movie and also awesome. That's a really good movie. Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2. B movies when they were first made, but then Army of Darkness has the same feel, but it was released more as an A movie. Yet all three of those are are classic kind of B horror movies with Army of Darkness, obviously adding a massive amount of humor from Bruce Campbell. Um, 
all really good. I think of Labyrinth as well because I'm old. Mm-hmm. It feels more like a B movie because it's puppets. It's weird. Um, but that wasn't a movie when it came out. And so I think it's hard to kind of encapsulate. Now, there's some that are clearly just crap monster movies it's like, like you're, Tremor you're 17. Find, you're trying to find the difference, <laughs> yeah. um, which I think is a struggle between like what's a B movie and what's a cult classic because they're not always mm-hmm. necessarily the same thing. Um, and I don't even know if I know like the difference all the time because the Labyrinth – which one is it? Like I think of it as like a cult classic. Totally a cult um, classic. Like you said, it, when it was released, it's released as an A movie. I'm talk I think I think Evil Dead was what it was right when it came out. It was mm-hmm. never gonna be an A movie. It was a low budget, uh incredible tight quarters they filmed on like one location. Uh it's a B movie. Mm-hmm. And I think What's funny is then you have films like Cabin in the Woods that I feel like was really trying to be a B movie. Mm. And I think we can debate whether it was a success in that or not, but it there was more budget a little bit that went into it. Uh I would say ca- Cabin Fever is more of that yeah. low budget feel uh than Cabin in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods definitely had a bigger budget. The uh and Chris Hemsworth is you know was on the cusp of becoming uh, famous when he was in Cabin in the Woods. I, I do have to take a second. I'm looking at the Covenant um, like IMDb right now, and Chance mm. Crawford is in it. Isn't that the deep from B- The Boys? I think so, yeah. Oh my gosh. that's and T- Taylor Kitsch, who later went on to play Gambit, if I'm not mistaken. And yes. then you've also got yeah. Sebastian Stan is in it. But speaking of musicians yeah. that went on to make but really crappy movies. John Carter. John Carter. John Carter, yeah. But like speaking of musicians that went over to make really crappy B movies, did you ever see John Bon Jovi in that film Cry Wolf? No, is Terrible. that the prequel to Cry oh, Macho? Terrible. It was movie. so bad. It was like John Bon Jovi trying to like work his way over into acting, but it was just it was bad. Like, Little known, really John Bon Jovi bad. is apparently also an extra in Young Guns 2, and he gets shot because he did the soundtrack for the whole movie Young Guns 2. You barely notice it's him because of the makeup and everything, but he gets shot in one of the scenes in uh, Young Guns 2. I, um, really quick, I want to let anyone that's, that's a watching, nugget for you. <laughs> if you guys <laughs> I had no already, idea. We, uh, we have a poll today, our first poll in the chat here, because uh, we're looking at it, going back to expanding and doing more videos here in the new, near future. So I just want to know what everyone's uh, favorite thing they'd like to see is. And uh, some of the options are uh, a watch along, which we've done before. Scott remembers when we did it for Zack Snyder's Justice League, a four hour long watch along. Oh. Uh, the Return of Shark Jumpers. That is a show that I uh, love recording a lot more than I enjoy producing, but I still would be very excited to bring that back. Uh, casual hangout stream, which is uh, maybe like Wednesday nights, hump day hangout, something like that. Uh, an idea brought to us by our good friend Sean Wingblade. And currently uh, at 0% votes is Retro Reviews, which I think has a little um, us all offended because I think we're all very fond of that idea potentially. So uh, make sure to hop on that poll if you're watching the stream now um, and let us know your thoughts on that because I'd be excited for all of those. And I have a dump truck uh, doing garbage right now. So I'm going to mute myself and let you guys talk about B-movies. So another question would be, how much of Nicolas Cage's catalog, percentage-wise, fits into B-movie catalog? Because he, he <laughs> there was a point in time where he was the biggest star in Hollywood. Uh, mm. And 
now it seems like everything he puts out is goes. <laughs> yes, there are be a lot of be. Uh, Ian Ziering used to be on 90210, and he championed mm. all of the Sharknado movies, which were intentionally bad and terrible. And by the way, they succeeded at that. They are terrible Not movies. Um, as a matter of fact, on that list, the IMDb list of the top 100 B, uh, B movies, several crappy sci-fi uh, monster shark, uh, sharktopus, um, a dino shark, sharknado. There was like, for some reason, giant crocodiles and giant sharks took over half the list. And I was like, what, what happened to all the good ones? What about all the Tremors movies and everything else? But Nicolas Cage seems like everything he's made in the last five to 10 years seems to be working its way naturally into the B movie feel by itself so i watched a nicholas cage movie a couple weeks ago a movie called firebirds also known as wings of the apache and on the front of it it says if you if you love top gun but in apache helicopters <laughs> so i saw it and i was like sold like i'm i'm all in top gun but with helicopters nick cage tommy lee jones i'm gonna check this out it was literally horny nick cage throughout the whole thing chasing this random woman and like just playing in this apache helicopter he can't see out of one eye so he has to like learn to fly with one eye and it's the most stupid premise and that's not snake eyes it's a different so, movie about eyes oh god i hate that movie oh, i hate that movie but going back <laughs> to the point of um cult classic or b movie the one another one that i mentioned that was also on that list was enter the dragon which that shocked me seeing that on a b movies list because of how influential that is i mean it's culturally significant mma bro mma doesn't exist without enter the dragon like that's a fact bruce is the godfather of it the whole tournament format the gloves everything from the sport came from enter the dragon so when i saw that on the list i was like huh really and then like it's be losing his eye a lot he does and he also looks like chad kroger from nickelback when in drive angry <laughs> like if you're looking with the long flowing blonde hair drive angry angry was like this gone in 60 seconds was outstanding great movie yeah other than the terrible cgi jump at the very end where the car somehow lands and drives away but drive angry yeah. was like hey uh i don't have any new ideas let me try and make another car movie, but with one-tenth the budget and a terrible script. And and on top of that, terrible acting, terrible directing. It, that movie uh, is a crap sandwich. And if, <laughs> if, it, if it wasn't uh, a B-movie intentionally, it has checked every box on its way through to being one officially. Because then you watch him in The Rock. Like The Rock is an, an all-time classic. That's The Rock, Con Air, Gone in 60 Seconds. They were in that window of time when he was he could do no wrong. Everything he touched was gold. And The Rock with Sean Connery, just that movie isn't just good. It's it's rewatchable. I've seen that movie many, many times. That was one of those ones when it would pop up on TV that you'd you'd stop and be like, you know what? Cleaning can wait. We'll watch this instead. <laughs> In, in my searches here, I came across another, uh, I, I would say, as a B actor, and that's James Remar, because I was just watching Blade Trinity yesterday, and I, I was like, oh, he's in this movie. 
So when James Remar is in a movie, it's bad, right? Because he's also the second Raiden, and woof. Can oh. we talk about nah. more, um, that Arm- Armageddon, right? Annihilation. Annihilation. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. To be, a, that to be a worse Raiden than Christopher Lambert, you take have that to back. really you take, that back. <laughs> take that back now, sir. <laughs> uh, Christopher Lambert was an amazing Raiden. He was an amazing... He's probably son. the best out of the three we've had. I was so shocked. I really liked the newer one. Was. Oh, I liked him. Yeah, now, the movie had a lot of issues, and they may not have used him as well, but I, I, I liked him. I'll be the minority in that one. That's fine. That's fair. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, Get, so, leave, let Christopher Lambert continue to live as Highlander, and we'll, yeah. we'll just leave him there. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Well, that's that's a defense, right? I guess that's a defense for uh, James Remar. He's also, isn't he not Dexter's dad? Or am I thinking of the wrong person in the show Dexter? I've never seen Dexter. Somebody in the chat, Google it for me. I don't have time right now. Uh, Scott brought up Tremors 17, which I would like to uh, very kindly <laughs> correct him that I think they're only on seven. <laughs> the first it's one like, is one of the best monster movies you oh, could yeah. ever ask for. It's so yeah. good. They it's did so, good. so much with their budget because there's like no CGI in that film. It's no, all, all like practical, practical effects. And like animatronics and like puppeteering. And well, Kevin it, Bacon even uh, tags that movie as kind of a relaunch for his career. It got him back going again because he wasn't he wasn't doing anything at the time and had kind of fallen off the face of the the movie universe and he was asked to do that movie and he's like, sure, why not? Let's do something crazy. And that turned out to kind of catapult him back forward for those that didn't know tremors was the bonding experience for me and pj campbell we were um i had him on the show and i was doing an interview with him and we started talking about tremors and our friendship like skyrocketed after that i love that film i actually have no problem at all rewatching the first three movies for different reasons obviously the first is the best but i enjoy the three fours okay they get pretty difficult to watch after that. I got off the bandwagon when they grew legs and started running around. That's literally the second one. I know. Yeah, I kind of have to agree on that one. It's it's not terrible. They certainly got worse, and that says something. But I, I think know, it's man. it's also one of those blasters. I think that might have been a highlight of the franchise. <laughs> I I just the first one was so good, and I remember it so fondly uh, from my childhood when it first came out. It's such a good movie, and again, rewatchable. We had that on VHS for all you out there, uh, and we would play that tape until it was worn out, uh, because uh, and we would it would be one you'd play, rewind it to the beginning, and put it right back in the player in order to get another watch in it, especially on the, the weekends or in the evenings when the parents didn't care what we watched. That movie was always near the top of the list. I have a fun debate for you guys. Uh, this may be a hard-to-answered question, but what do you think typically is a more fun experience? A movie that is kind of accidentally a B-movie or a movie that knew it was a B-movie from day one of production? A movie that knew it was a B movie from day one because I tell you, I, me and a friend Jeff, we did a watch along for speaking to run it back to Nick Cage to Nick Cage's movie Jiu Jitsu that came out last year. Yeah. And 
Oh my god, was it the most steaming pile of crap I have ever seen Nick Cage in. And when like they sold me because it had Frank Grillo wow. and Tony Jaa and Juju right. Chan. So like th three people who are like legit martial artists. And I thought, great, Nick Cage is just there for the comic relief and to be the truth from Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. But oh my God, that movie was so bad. So bad. I prefer to watch <laughs> movies that know what they are. Like there was one, um, Zombies, 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 which is, it's probably more of a Z movie at this point, but it's just about zombies in a strip club. And it's one of the funniest films I've ever seen in my life, just because of how oh, bad it is. On that note, um, I watched a movie a few years back called Zombievers. Have you seen that? No. Oh, my gosh. Um, there's a scene that leads up, like, it seems like it's going to be some kind of steamy, like, kind of uncomfortable le uh, lesbian scene, the way that it's done up. And then all of a sudden, a flat beaver tail shoots out of one girl's butt and buck teeth come out and she starts trying to eat the other person and it's like vampiric zombie beavers that are contagious and they're biting people and dogs and other things and it's so bad but i was like tears in my eyes laughing throughout the entire movie and you knew that movie was not trying to be anything other than what it was mm. I just watched, um, have you guys seen uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil? Yes. I no. have to think that's a B movie. Yeah. Um, it has Alan Tudyk and I forgot the other gentleman's name. I love Alan Tudyk. But it's, it's so goofy dumb. It's adding a heavy layer of comedy in with a horror movie in order to make it entertaining. Um, but it's low budget. It's, it's kind of doing what, um, <laughs> uh, what's, what's the movie... <laughs> Googling zombie beavers. <laughs> Don't you're gonna have to clear your history and your search content because that is that's gonna mess no, some things Sean, up. I, I, like Google is tracking you. Watch that, watch that movie. <laughs> um, I lost my train of thought. There's a chihuahua that gets eaten by a horde of zombie beavers, and uh, me and my ex argued over it because I thought it was funny, but she had two chihuahuas. <laughs> uh, I would say there's a lot of good '80s B movies be horror movies like there's one where uh slugs would run through people's mouths and then kind of oh. take over their bodies and then they would bring them basically make them go to an area where there's more people but then they will bread on the inside and so when the person dies they just puke out a whole bunch of the slugs that go and attack more people in oh order gosh. to make more of them and well, if uh anything slimy sluggish the idea of it going into your mouth creeps me out yeah <laughs> i have, I have this intense fear of like i'm not afraid of like spiders or anything but like something like maybe if i'm in my sleep and my mouth is open like something going like into my mouth or up my nose and then just like breathing and like mm. something coming out of my eyes or something like i know that's super horror movie show but that is a legit fear of mine have have you seen sisters brothers i have yeah with the, nope, the spider nope, 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 nope. right in the cheek and he's got the <laughs> yep. thing and then he starts spitting out all the babies later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that scene was like my brother had read the book, so he knew it was coming. And he's like, and when I saw it, I literally almost hurled and uh, had that that deep full body cringe. And my brother's laughing at me from across the couch, and he's like, Oh man, I knew that was coming. It's the worst part of the movie. Uh, but that the getting bit, it's kind of the um 
uh, scary stories to tell in the dark. The girl who gets bit by the spider in her face, and there's a sack of uh, that was not as hard to watch in the movie as it was to read. Reading that growing up was haunting. Oh no, growing Um, up, any spider you think is laying eggs in your body. Yeah, yeah, you wake up with an itch on your face, and you're like, "This is it." Um, I, just to say topical because you guys are talking about <laughs> slugs and things going in your mouth and stuff and I was already going to say a master of B-movies is the one James Gunn which brings me to Slither oh god with uh, no. Elizabeth Banks and of course uh, Michael Rooker and all the staples of a James Gunn film Nathan Fillion uh, what an experience and if you gross out easy probably not the movie for you but uh, I recommend it to anyone that has not seen it. Uh, and I think what caught a lot of people off guard with the Suicide Squad, just to be topical for a second, is that it was a high-budget B-movie in a lot of ways for James Gunn. And you can get away with certain humor, certain irreverence that I think people aren't used to seeing in the comic book franchise. For me, it worked because I'm all about those sensibilities Absolutely. I enjoy uh, gross-out humor when it's done well. I think Evil Dead transitioned beautifully into a TV series. Ash vs. Evil Dead is probably one of my favorite things I've ever watched. I've actually rewatched it several times. Uh, I have my... Here we go. Slide this out here. Is that the one with John C. McGinley? Ash vs. Evil Dead? Maybe. But here's my pop from Ash vs. Evil Dead. Sweet. Um... And yeah, so Evil Dead. An A movie intentionally trying to make itself like a B movie, like Suicide Squad, or even Army of Darkness was trying to take some of that B movie feel from the Evil Dead movies and carry it forward into a more of an A movie, but with a better budget, better production, um, clearly more sets. The being able to do that and doing it in an intentional way, uh, is is great it's kind of like going to see a b movie that you know is a b movie it's campy it's stupid uh the the effects are terrible but they're practical um but you know that going in and that can be a very fun time watching a movie uh in the same way that an a movie pretending to be a b movie if done correctly with all the the crude humor in the right places uh and james gunn is kind of just a master at making movies uh, he knows what will kind of tickle the audience just the right way. And uh, I got—I just thought of an example of a bad B movie, uh, something that did know what it was right away, but didn't execute it well. And I think that's Abe Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. I was going to mention that uh, earlier. Yes, I, I I went and saw that with a group of friends, and just wasn't having fun. I wasn't laughing through that movie. I was like, this is bad, and it's not bad in an enjoyable way. What's ironic is that led us to the next movie that same group saw in theaters was John Wick. And we said, <clears throat> here we go. It's another Abe Lincoln Vampire Hunter. It's going to be trash. And then, lo and behold, the best. The uh, Yeah, Abe Lincoln Vampire Hunter is... There, there is not enough words to colorfully say how bad it is. Um, but not in a good way, like in a bad way, like that movie should not have been produced for any reason. And what's crazy is that came out right on the heels of, or right around the same time as Lincoln with (laughs) Daniel day Lewis portraying the, one of the most iconic 
versions of Lincoln on film. And then we get Abe Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Like, I'm surprised we didn't see the fact that he was a. Uh, it was rumored he was a vampire hunter, but it, he also did professionally wrestle for a short window. I'm surprised we didn't see a movie around Abe Lincoln, pro wrestler. Like, well, we did get probably zombies, <laughs> which I heard is a better version of these two two movies. I'll be honest. I thought uh, there was a point in time I thought they were the same movie. <laughs> now, Lincoln and Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter. I legit thought that Daniel Day Lewis was playing Abraham Lincoln oh, as a vampire hunter, so and that, I thought I would go back to the theater and see. It's crazy that Daniel Day Lewis did a total of like ten films in his entire career, and they're all Academy Award worthy. And yeah. to think that he would do a vampire movie just—it's—it's it's a bit of a stretch. Now, I have a—I have a question on this because we remember things differently from when we're kids to adults. And I remember seeing the movie American Ninja when I was a kid and loving it. And then as an adult, rewatching it and realizing this is garbage. I love it. It's still entertaining. Michael Dudikoff is still awesome, but they're the worst soldiers that's ever been in, in a military. They couldn't shoot a guy running across a field with a sword before he got close enough to throw a star and kill him. There's just a lot of issues with the movie. What Samurai movie Cop. from your what, what movie from your child? Uh, it's like Bulletproof Monk, but I, I actually enjoyed that. Movie. I love that movie. Uh, the what movie from your childhood that you really enjoyed? Now that you've seen as an adult, do you think? Wow, this is more of a B movie, and I remembered it so fondly, but it didn't hold up with time. Uh, one, one I'm thinking: Would you guys consider Bill and Ted a B movie? Because I, no. I feel like it, no. it's not super high budget, but not like everyone saw it, and it's kind of intentionally goofy and self-aware. I don't think I'd say it's a B movie. B, okay. I, I, I don't. I think it holds up too well. That's fair. Um, I had I had another one, and it's escaping me at the moment. From your childhood. I oh, mean, oh. oh, oh, I was going to say, um, because Scott was talking about American Ninja. Ninja Assassin's kind of a B-movie, right? It's just like uh, a martial arts bloody gore. Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. You cannot take it seriously, and the amount of blood and stuff that they do seems very self-aware. I wouldn't qualify it as a movie with any kind of depth or anything. It's pure just. Well, in that case, you got to lump Kill Bill in with that as well. Cause Kill Bill is literally just a straight, we're murdering people for two hours and then we're going to do it again in the sequel. I would and there's a, there's a small story in there. Tarantino, I think does a grade B movies sometimes. Oh, totally. But then again, that's an A movie done intentionally to feel like a B movie. Which well, makes it even house, better. Right? Yeah. Those, yeah. There you go. <clears throat> Which is the same people who did, uh, they had the, the one movie with Kurt Russell with the car. What was the uh, oh. Death Race? Not Death Race. Uh, yeah, wasn't it Death Race 3000 or something like that? No, that's a different one. That was with... Uh, um, Statham? Statham. Jason Statham. No, the, the other one, it's... Grindhouse did it, and it came out at the same time as the the one with I think it was Rose McGowan who had like the fake leg that was a uh, uh, assault rifle. Um, oh my god, I need to see that. Whatever movie that is, I need Rose McGowan with a rifle for a leg. Universal. Okay, John here, Wingblades talk, talking about some good ones here. Universal Soldiers, the first one is great. All seventeen sequels are terrible. Um, yeah, let's talk about even any so cigar. It's, it's movie. The movie with the, dude. All right. 
we gotta talk about this <laughs> right sean sean and chat knows me anyone in the action army knows i hate steven cigar with a passion <laughs> as a human like i've met jean-claude van damme bit of a weirdo kind of a you never know which way he's gonna go Seagal is a fake he is a fraud he took the entire credit he took the credit for anderson silver's entire career and the whole mma community just pointed at him and laughed i used to love under siege but now that i've actually seen what he does and i've seen that he is a fake and he is a fraud i'm just like to keep in like the show pg-13 fc f steven seagal f everything he stands for uh it's just like <clears throat> every movie he made is so so bad under siege did not stand the test of time the only one that i think he actually made at the very beginning was hard to kill and that was okay but by under siege he had almost become so full of himself that they just started going downhill post that and i've never those two movies I enjoyed when I was younger, but they didn't hold up. Not not well. Uh, Hard to Kill is marginal at best. It falls in with like the American Ninja where it was, I remembered it well. And then when I saw it again, I'm like, wow, that sucked. And on top of it, it's kind of like those, the actors that you, you don't want to like because Seagal is notoriously one of the worst people to work with on any film. And I don't know him. I've never worked with him because I'm not famous and I've never been to a movie uh, other than an extra in the movie, the Sixth man. I was in the audience uh, during the basketball scenes. Uh, wow. Fun side note. But the, the fact that Seagal believed that these two marginal successes catapulted him to being one of the most famous people on earth. And now he's, he's a mockery of himself. He's become a character of who he wanted Seagal to be. And so he's playing up this really tough, cool guy. That's it's it's crap. It's all crap. Like imagine say, imagine going on an interview and saying that Jet Li is not a martial artist, saying that Michael Jai White is not a martial artist, saying Jean Claude Van Damme, multiple time world kickboxing champion, is not a martial. Dude, shut up! You wave your hands around it like for drunken people that run straight at you. Like shut up, dude. Like, <laughs> All, all the is he going to say that Chuck Norris isn't uh, isn't a real martial artist too? He probably okay. is. Like there was an interview it. of like some guy that mm-hmm. some guy asked him who would you want on your side in a real street fight, and he listed off a bunch of names. And every time he just kept saying, "Do you want me to laugh in your face? Do you want me to laugh in your face?" And the dude said, "Oh, what about Jet Li? Jet Li, like Jet Li could probably kick my ass, like even now." And he's he's legit. Yeah. And Steven Seagal is not. So if there's one out of those two, I'm pretty sure I'm going to pick Jet Li, who's probably like half my size, but probably could still kick my ass. But right. like, oh, Seagal is just want, the worst of the worst. I just want to drop one more before we move on to the next topic because this one's going on for uh, for a little bit. But uh, Black Dynamite, I'm going to throw that out there. For anyone that's seen Black Dynamite or hasn't seen Black Dynamite, um, it's incredible. It's very intentional. It is a uh, kind of a spoof on the black exploitation uh, time time period of films, and it's hilarious. I've watched it a great many times, and then it branched off into an Adult Swim show. So go watch Black Dynamite if you haven't already. I don't know where it's streaming currently. It used to be on Netflix, but that's uh, 
It's a good time. No, wasn't Michael? Wasn't that the one with? I'm just looking up. Wasn't that the one with uh, Michael Jai White and Arsenio yeah. Hall? That's that's why I brought it up because okay. you, you were talking about Michael Jai White, and I was like, I love yeah. Michael Jai White straight to DVD films. <laughs> he he is so great, and like I've I only met him for like all the five minutes, but like he just seemed like a genuinely genuinely he's nice a dude. Big guy, oh, dude. He's huge. He's a massive. <laughs> he is a mountain if, of a man. If, Michael Jai White portraying Mike Tyson in the original Mike Tyson movie back in the late 90s. Michael Jai White was fantastic playing Mike Tyson. I've never seen that. I need to watch that I because I'm, I'm excited for the Jamie Foxx one coming up of Jamie Foxx playing Mike Tyson. When I, I didn't think of know... Mike Tyson, I think of Ip Man, is that four? Uh, three. Three. Okay, Fourteen. Yeah. Ip Man 14. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. All right, guys, we're going to move on to our next topic here uh, because we spent a lot of time on that one and uh, probably not as long as this one. We don't have many films to discuss, but what is everyone's most anticipated film before the year's end? We still got a few months. We got three, uh, no, two Marvel movies, Hawkeye's the series. So we got some Marvel films. I'm trying to think if there's a DC film. I don't think so. For the rest of the year right but then we definitely got some interesting sci-fi things some drama bits uh mine has not changed my number one most anticipated year or anticipated movie for the year when me and scott talked about this like back in january or whatever is still the same film so that hasn't changed for me that's pretty easy uh but venom let there be carnage that's your number one scott i will <laughs> drop kick you through the screen all the way out uh let me know what you guys what are you guys most looking forward to in the comments? And if you have any different questions, uh, of course, remember that we do have Streamlabs open. And that's www.streamlabs.com slash real. Ask us some questions. We'll answer them for as long of time as we have. That's a sentence. Any ideas, guys? I can go and give you guys time if you want. No, I. it's kind of hard to not want to say Spider-Man. Spider-Man No Way Home is definitely near the top. Uh, there's still the Bond movie coming out, No Time to Die. Mm. And uh, it's it should be the final send-off for Daniel Craig, who I love uh, as mm. Bond. I know I'm uh, there's some mixed emotions about that, but you give me uh, Sean Connery, then Daniel Craig. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, I love Connery, but Daniel Craig is way up there, and I would put him a better than Roger Moore. Uh, I even wow. like Timothy Dalton. I put right in that. I, I like Timothy Dalton as Bond. And I'll even go down to say George Lazenby. There's not really a terrible Bond. No. there. You know, there's merit to every one of them. They all bring something different to the character. And I've loved to see Daniel Craig's character arc within the whole scope of them. And he's brought a physicality that wasn't really there with some of them. Um, mm. And so I am excited to see that. But I, I, I'd say probably if I had to pick one movie, I'm going to fall all the way back to Eternals. When we first did this, you asked me this earlier this year, uh, only because there's nothing else with it. I don't know all the the pre-built-in story. I don't have to watch four or five movies to lead up. It does mm. help, I'm sure, to know the MCU and what's going on. But the Eternals... Uh, especially after that final trailer. Woo. And that cast, my goodness. It's loaded. Selma Hayek, so, Kit Harrington, Richard oh, Madden. Angelina Jolie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's stacked. Uh, front to back, that movie is stacked cast-wise. You have to trust that this is going to lay the groundwork for something massive going forward. Uh, the teases in the trailer were really got people talking about what's coming up. Uh, 
but it just looks really good. And I love the fact that kind of like with Guardians going in, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, and I'm intentionally not going out and doing too much background research into the Eternals. I've done a tiny bit, but I'm trying to reserve some of that so I don't have pre-built in false expectations of the movie. Uh, but I'm excited because it's something different. With Spider-Man No Way Home, you have to understand three movies worth of stuff plus Endgame. Uh, or, possibly six. Yeah, there's you know, all the Spider-Mans. All the Spider-Man movies. Eight, right? Math. That is correct. Uh, but you're going to have to know a lot of movies going into that, plus the Avengers movies. Um, and so, and plus Civil possibly War. Venom. Venom comes out before. We don't have, like, like I know, like, everyone, everyone saw that hat. Everyone saw that hat, right? Well, the one that Tom Hardy was wearing. Man, yeah. hey, we haven't seen the movie. I, who knows? Maybe something could happen. But it is still a shared property between Sony and Marvel. So mm. they could easily snake him in somehow. Uh, and easier for them to bring a little Tom Holland in to the Venom universe than it is to try and bring Venom and Carnage um, into the Spider-Man universe. But I would say still, even with everything built up for Spider-Man and how good that looks, especially with Doctor Strange, man, Benedict Cumberbatch, one of my favorite actors, seeing him reprising the role of Doctor Strange. And I know, Jesse, you, you absolutely love Doctor Strange. Uh, but well, seeing how this is going to play doctors? out. Can we have oh. Octavius versus Strange in some kind of like I'll, medical, I'll take Strange uh, every day. Vision. Strange would just drop him into a hole and that'd be the end of the fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I fell for 40 minutes straight. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I'll really quick not to uh, repeat myself too much. I'll just go in. It was Dune. It's still Dune. It's always going to be Dune until mm -hmm. I see it because the first trailer got me so hyped that I listened to a 42 hour audiobook to in preparation and it has the potential to be incredible. You have Denny Villeneuve who is a remarkable filmmaker who has a pretty much spotless track record, not counting box office because not everyone is into what he chooses to do for films, but he always has like the best cinematographer. His films are beautiful. They're deep. The acting well, is great. The dialogue is incredible. I'd it's even say this movie, looking at it, you mentioned for Eternals, the incredible cast. I'd say the cast is even more stacked oh, for yeah. Dune. It's I agree. Loaded. It Absolutely is. loaded. I, I can't think of a time, and if you want to use Endgame as your fight, you can. That was a giant cast, but if we're talking straight up proven commodities, I think Dune's the greatest cast I've seen in the last 10 to 20 years. Uh, so the potential wow. there is way up there you have Hans Zimmer who I think is in the top three best composers of the last 20 years uh you know I, I think you got Hans Zimmer Giacchino um trying to think I mean there's people that have been around longer than that but as far as like bro I guess he's not that new he's been around since like Lion King if not before the early Lion King but Hans Zimmer is one of my favorite composers and he said in an interview he is so tired of hearing the same like operatic orchestras used for every space opera, you know, subtle jab or not so subtle jab at Star Wars. He decided to invent instruments to create music that we've never heard before and sounds that we've never heard for this film. And Denny has wanted to do this movie since he was a child and read Dune like in, in high school. And for me, that's just all the components I need for this movie to be the best it can be potential wise. Uh, 
unfortunately, this is part one, which the, again, that's how you do it. You either have to do the show in a very high or this movie in a very high budget show, or you have to break it up because it's dense. It's way too dense. Uh, David Lynch already tried to do it as a movie that was long and it still cut out so much of the story to the point where it's not even a coherent film. And there's so many things that they do in the book that it takes a very talented director to try to translate it. And I think it's going to take uh, Denis Villeneuve, and I really hope it comes together. This could be my most disappointing film if I don't love it as much as I think I'm going to. So uh, you said it was a 46-hour audiobook? 42, 46, something like that. 40-something. That is almost the equivalent to the Lord of the Rings trilogy audiobook-wise. And I've listened to that multiple times. And that got six movies and needed six extended movies. Or sorry, didn't get six movies. It got three movies all extended for a total of 11 hours. And it still chopped a mountain out of the story. Now, they did an incredible job with that. Peter Jackson really harnessed it. Dune is the same thing. You either have to do one... Uh, I, I thought think, a, a TV series would have been better for it because you could easily stretch which it Which they've done. But, I mean, they couldn't afford it. It was like sci-fi. But uh, Dune, for me, and this is, you know, this is saying a lot. Dune, to me, is the sci-fi equivalent of Lord of the Rings. And that's why there's not a lot of argument for that. There's It has inspired so much sci-fi that we've seen in television and movies now today. And I haven't heard a lot of argument for a book that is more influential in sci-fi ever. If you got something for me, I'd love to hear it. But I think Dune's it. And you talk about fantasy... It's Lord of the Rings. So yeah, me, it did for it's for sci-fi what Lord of the Rings is for fantasy. They're they're equal parts, but it hasn't but gotten again, the same treatment or respect, and that's well, what I would love to see. Who's ready to put three billion dollars on the line in order to make it what it's supposed to be? Well, Warner was able to do that and gave Peter Jackson full trust, uh, as did the Tolkien family to give it. To Ironically, Peter Warner Brothers again. Well, if they do it right. But again, yeah. how are they going to present this first? If they're it, doing it that way, how's this first chapter going to play out? I will close out by saying it has already made just shy of $40 million overseas, which is actually a really good sign mm. leading up to it uh, internationally. Uh, that's a pretty big box office internationally, I think, especially right now. So we'll see how it does uh, here in October, hoping for the best. Maddie, close out this topic. What are you most looking forward to? So I got to give a quick couple of honorable mentions. One to No Time to Die. Um, I can't wait to see it. I will be at the Royal Royal Albert Hall for the premiere. I can't wait to go see it, be in that environment in such a historic venue that I've been to so many concerts at and seen like movies played with orchestras and to see Daniel Craig's what could potentially be his send off in that venue is going to be. It's going to be something special. Another honorable mention I want to give is uh, Will Smith is going to be in this movie called King Richard, which is about the uh, the Williams sisters, Venus and Serena, and their dad and their upbringing. Any story about true greatness like those women have had, that's something that pulls me in immediately. And I'm like, okay, I want to see this. Those two kind of, but I got to agree with Jesse. Like, Dune, Dune is my number one. Uh, my friend Zach, he, told me, you know, read the book. I didn't do the audio book. I actually sat down and, you know, I've read like over the pages and I was just drawn into the story. And like everyone who knows me knows that Star Wars, that's my thing. 
George Lucas has openly said that Dune is like between Dune and Kurosawa, like the hidden fortress. That's that is Star Wars. So for me to see where that has come from in the hands of, in my opinion, a master filmmaker in Denis Villeneuve, like everything I've seen him do, he hasn't missed. So to see him tackle a story this rich with a cast as brilliant as he has, I mean, I love Brolin. I love Oscar Isaacs. You got Momoa. Timothy Chalamet could, he's got mega star potential. Zendaya is also on her way to being an absolute superstar. Yeah, I, I got to go with Dune as well. As, as, as bad as it is, like having the same movie twice, like, I, I can't no, lie. that's what be doing. Everyone has their own opinion on it. And Dune, I am looking very much forward to Dune. Mm. Uh, I am going to say that with King Richard, uh, Will Smith brings something incredible to biopics. Mm. Uh, Ali, he was incredible. Um, yeah. The Pursuit of Happiness, which is a, based on a true story, uh, incredible. Uh, he really, well, Will Smith is an incredible actor. So to see him uh, take on the the venus or serena's dad richard uh, as a character is i'm sure that's going to be a very emotionally impactful movie movie uh for will smith and so that's uh i somehow overlooked that one but that that's something i'll add to my list but Mm. don't feel bad about picking dune i think i don't think there's anybody who would say that they're not looking forward to seeing dune it's just mm. whether it's number one or two or three or where is it on the list? It's definitely up there. Um, and you're both of you guys touched on so many points about that movie that make it one of the top things that needs to be seen. And I, I would say with Dune, it's not a it's not a matter of if you're going to see it. It's a when you're going to see it mm. like this. This feels like one of those movies might be one of the first ones we have this year that is a must go to the theater well, that's see it. what I was about to say is damn Warner Brothers for giving people the option. And I'm sorry, I know there's mixed feelings about this. People are like, well, I can't go. Um, I think you should have to wait. I think there should they should force that 45-day window like Disney's doing. And Dune should not be day and date. Um, because is it the same day release on streaming? It is. Oh my! That God. was the commitment that HBO Max made at the beginning of the year. Denny's which- pissed. Denny's still pissed understandably so that yeah. Dune is not i don't unless you have which i know most of us don't an at-home theater with surround sound that your entire room is dedicated to being a theater you're not going to get it mm. this is a theatrical experience much like lord of the rings let's rewind time and what if lord of the rings what if fellowship of the ring was day and date are you seeing that on your couch no you're seeing that in the theater are you kidding me are you crazy so uh, I you're seeing very, that midnight opening night. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And so I feel very strongly. I could go on a whole, we could do another show about how I feel about um, Dune uh, being on HBO Max. I think it's a huge mistake. And I think one of the reasons it's doing so well overseas is they don't have HBO Max. There's not a streaming option, I don't think, for Dune as far as I know. Uh, I believe first. we're getting it, I think, a week after on one of our channels i think it's like sky sky cinema oh yeah i should be asking you you know better than we do <laughs> so my shout out to my my scoundrel of the force co-host javi like he's already seen dune because he lives in estonia and it's already come out there and he I hasn't need, told I me much contact information i, I of, of I, all the reasons to go to estonia 
I told him, do not tell me anything. Just give me a thumbs up if it's like if it's as good as like I like as people say is. And he gave me two thumbs up. So, uh, so I'm like, okay, like um, because me and him have very similar taste in movies. So if he likes it, I know I'm gonna like it. And going back to the the day and day one, like I really wanted this movie to be the one that says "suck it" to Nolan, to be like this is the one that pulls people back into the to the cinema. And it goes up like, to this anybody makes- other than like Warner Brothers themselves, it would be the case. But and I I would think that Suicide Squad taught him a lesson. Mm. Are you are you inferring that Warner Brothers has bad management at the top? Oh man, me and Scott are gonna have a whole uh, editorial on Warner Brothers just shit in the bed how, on a daily. How basis. do you mishandle every property you own, other than I guess Harry Potter? And I mean maybe, even that and Lord of the Rings, but well, you know, Harry Potter got look at uh, Grindelwald. So oh dear goodness, that you know what? We don't have time to go no, off on, on right, next, movie next topic because so I know. I, know, I mean, um, the merchandise made him a lot of money. Maddie's going to have to uh, run to his next show here pretty quick. So mm-hmm. we got to get him while we have him. So uh, we'll move on to uh, our final topic here. And what are we watching? But that's also what are we reading? What are we listening to? All those kinds of things. And I would love uh, more than any other topic for people to get involved in the chat here. I want to know what TV shows you're watching, what movies you just watched. Um, I know Sean's in the chat and he's been doing a lot of study for um, the first class league, uh, which mm-hmm. if you guys haven't already watched his matches, uh, Sean's doing really great things over there. Beast, uh, Beast mode wing blade. So I'll, I'll go last on this one. Um, I have some thoughts um, and also very relevant. The Emmys just uh, got announced all the winners and things. And so that was a really exciting night to hear some of the shows that I watched uh, getting a lot of attention there. But uh, Scott, what have you been watching lately? Uh, so I, uh, not what watching. If. I went through uh, courier. Uh, so on Amazon prime, there's a movie called the courier with a Benedict Cumberbatch where it's a cold war spy movie where he's a businessman. Uh, yes. And Ted Lasso winning best uh, lead actor. Uh, was a great award last night for him. And supporting with, um, I forget her name at the top of my head, but the actress that plays Rebecca, and then Brett Goldstein, um, Roy Kent, which has become my favorite television character of all time. <laughs> um, but I watched uh, The Courier, which I recommend to anybody. It's a it's a spy movie. It's a World War, it's a Cold War movie. Um, but it's based on a true story, uh, which makes it even cooler, uh, about a businessman who became... Uh, a, Thank you, Partis. An unintentional spy uh, for the British government mm. and for the U.S. government and their dealings with uh, Russia during the Cold War. Um, and then my son convinced me the other day to watch Cruella. And was that your first time watching it? It oh, was, boy. and I was surprised at how good that movie. I really, really liked that movie. Wow. I really liked um, that movie. I, I hadn't seen it yet, and it it just it didn't speak to me like something. I got four kids. My life is crazy busy. And so to mm-hmm. find time to watch a movie, I'm very selective about what I want to watch. Uh, and I like weird movies, especially indie movies. But um, when I, Cruella had been out there, my son goes, I love this movie. You need to see it. Uh, he loves fashion stuff and everything like that. And uh, we sat down to watch it and I was blown away 
It was way better than I thought it'd be. Uh, and then as far as what I'm reading, uh, Chronicles of Narnia, my daughter really loves those stories. So I've been reading those books out loud to my daughter with my wife. And uh, we kind of trade back and forth who's reading uh, and kind of helping her walk through those. And first Chronicles of Narnia movie, The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, great. They are trash the next two. And then they stopped making them, which was good because what they did was not on par with what C.S. Lewis wrote. I heard we're supposed to be getting a series, which I think is... If they can somehow do that properly, great. Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe movie is very good in comparison to the book. Prince Caspian, they alter the story massively, and then by Voyage of the Dawn Treader, it wasn't even... It was so far off, it was ridiculous. The play I was in is better than both incarnations, though. And I was the owl. I had two lines, and I think I stole the show. Nailed it. We need footage of that. You need to find video footage to be able to get that online. I it's on a disc somewhere, probably in a. Now that is a watch along. That is a watch along. We found the video footage. Uh, Just to remind you, vote on the poll. Uh, Vote on the poll in the chat for what you want to see next from Flick and Reel. But uh, nice. Those are those are good picks, Uh, Maddie. I know we got you on a on a time crunch here, so please tell us next. So, trying to think. I don't watch a lot of TV. Uh, I haven't watched Ted Lasso. I love that British football culture is now making its way over to America. When you guys start getting into, you know, football rivalries and getting into fights at games, I know you do that with NFL, but when, like, you see it, the, the ugly side, then I can't wait to see that. But I don't watch much TV other than Scrubs. Like, I watch Scrubs is my favorite TV show. I'm, no, I'm no Superman. Superman. I could I will watch that a million times. Every episode still makes me laugh. Um, what movie did I watch the other day? Uh, the Lincoln Lawyer with Matthew McConaughey. I watched that for the first time the other day. A lot of Lincoln talk today. I thought it was great. I really enjoyed that movie. Um, I just read Dune. Amazing. Yeah. And as far as listen to, there is a band called Turnstile from I believe they're from Baltimore. They mix like hardcore with 90s indie alternative rock and i never thought i'd like something like that but it's just like it's really fun it's not hardcore in terms of like it's hard and like a lot of screaming and ah, stuff but i don't know it's a really weird mix i didn't think i'd like it but a friend of mine played it to me i was like okay yeah this this i can get behind so for anyone who likes music like that turnstile check them out turnstile okay do you have access to the comments right now? Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, why don't you drop that in the uh, in the comments so everyone can check that out? And I can check that out later. Uh, anything else? Uh, no, that that is it for me. Uh, okay, so list um, listening. Uh, I have it for a little bit, but I did start the second Dune book, listening to that on Audible a bit. Um, and going back a little bit, you guys should all listen to Marvel vs. DC, A Slugfest. I believe the Russo brothers are doing some kind of documentary on that book. Uh, it is phenomenal to listen to everything that's happened between the two companies in the longstanding uh, history of them. It's really good listen. It's also funny. It's a really funny book. Uh, I think it was very well written. And I, off the top of my head, I can't remember who does the audible for it, but they did an excellent job. And watching, uh, I've been watching several things. I've been watching Ted Lasso, which is, it's great. The last episode wasn't my favorite episode because they did something very different, but you can tell by the end of the episode, they're going 
back to the formula, which sometimes doesn't always sound like the best idea. Um, but as Norman Osborne would tell you, back to formula. Uh, what else? Wellington Paranormal. Matty, do you know anything about that? I don't know. Uh, I think we're all Taika Waititi fans here. And yep. it is uh, produced by his buddy, uh, Jermaine Clement, and they both worked on What We Do in the Shadows together. There were mm. two cops that showed up in that movie, and this is a spinoff of uh, those two cops being put on a paranormal unit uh, of their precinct, and chaos ensues, and it is just good old-fashioned uh, New Zealand humor, and my God, am I addicted to it. Great, great time. Not like R.I.P.D. No, no, no. It's it's kind of like... Um, if it feels like New Zealand Reno nine one one with oh, wow. uh, uh, aliens and ghosts and vampires, sweet. So it's on HBO Max, and that's. I feel like I'm forgetting some. Oh, I just started reading Matt Fraction's Hawkeye, so yeah, oh, okay. I've heard so many good things about him with the Hawkeye show. I want to have it read and be caught up by the time that comes out. Oh. And just so everyone knows, I will shame myself and say that um, I am rereading some fantasy smut because uh, Sarah J. Mass has a book series called like Accord of Such and Such, and it's a whole series. Uh, I read, I read the entire series. Told my wife it was amazing, and so now we are rereading it together. So uh, we are on the second book, Accord of Mist and Fury. Good stuff. All right. Can I just ask how that feels now to say uh, I'm reading that with my wife? I have to pause every time because it took right up until getting married for me to get used to saying fiance. And now I'm, I finally stopped saying girlfriend, but now I keep wanting to say fiance. I'm like, nope. So I'm sure it'll take a little longer before I can stop pausing and it's just instinctual. How many uh, times have you said my wife in a Borat voice since you got married? <laughs> Externally, never. My wife. But I have in my my brain does say it. My brain goes, my wife. <laughs> but I, I have avoided doing that. Uh okay. So just You won't now. <laughs> let me let me check something real quick. Make sure there's no nope. No street labs. All right, guys. So wrapping up, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Maddie, it's been an absolute pleasure. Please come back again. Anytime, uh, buddy. And uh just a reminder, we are back on our audio platforms so shortly after this drops we will be on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, and all that good stuff and please 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 follow us listen to us on there because it really helps support the channel it's a direct link and helps just uh the financial stability of the whole thing so thank you so much for doing that uh also Sean, if you don't, this is a daily conversation with Sean because I had my internet <laughs> crash when I was trying to do brackets last night. <laughs> and all right, anyways, um, and Partis is watching Flight Attendant with Kaylee Cuoco on HBO Max. Uh, while you're on HBO Max watching Kaylee Cuoco, please watch the Harley Quinn animated show where she provides the voice of Harley Quinn because that show is hysterical. Dang it! Is she the woman from Big Bang Theory? She sure is. Yeah. I will be watching that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh-oh. Somebody's got a crush. All right. Uh, so with that, thank you for joining us for the Flickin' Real Fancast. This has been News and Views with Jesse, Scott, and Maddie. And until next time, keep it real. <laughs>